From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are once again Todd. Hey. And Stella. Hello. We're going to get a little bit more esoteric than usual this week. We're going to talk about something called variable player powers. Now, in English, that means I've got stuff I can do that the other players can't do. Each player's got their own special thing and often allows them to break the rules of the game in a specific way. And what it means is that each player is going to be playing a slightly different game from all the others, but you're still all playing together. Uh, there are classic games like Cosmic Encounter that are built around this, and there are also modern popular favorites like Pandemic that make use of it to good effect. Today we're going to talk a little bit about how it works and why it's fun, or not fun for some in this case. Um, Todd, do you like games of this kind? Uh, I love games of this kind. This is actually my favorite genre of game. How come? Um, well, because I think there's so much to explore within it. I also, I'm, I'm really strong on theme. I want to have a theme and a mechanic that kind of goes with the game. Mm. And variable power uh, games tend to have that in spades. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Chaos in the Old World. And uh, uh, yes. each of those gods in that game, uh, their variable powers are very specific to their character. Yeah, let's 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 sort of step back a bit here. Chaos in the Old World. Uh, have you played this one, Stella? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's one of these big epic fantasy punch-up deals with a big map of the world. Only in this case, instead of fighting over the world, you're actually destroying the world. Uh, the players are these four chaos gods, and each of them wants to rule over the ashes. And what's left over, you've got one who's a god of slaughter, who wins by killing lots of people. You've got one who's the god of disease and pestilence and rot, who wins by infecting really heavily populated regions. You've got one who who's the god of sin and degradation and pain and pleasure, who wins by corrupting the souls of the most noble people in the world. I like that one. Yeah, Slaanesh would, de <laughs> would definitely be your favorite, I'm sure. Um, but uh, it's a big part of it is that they play very differently. I come from a role-playing game background. and oh, so like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. Dungeons and Dragons, the, the whole white wolf thing back in the 90s when we all thought we were vampires. <laughs> um, and, and so those types of games that really involve that playing a character uh, speak heavily to me. And, and games with variable powers are the ones that you know, are going to have individual characters with individual things that they can do. Yeah, another thing that's cool about this is that when you have different play patterns that are available and everybody gets to pick one, you get to pick your favorite. You get to pick one that mm -hmm. suits your taste. Like, uh, if you like to play aggressively, then you can be Karn in, uh, in Chaos, or you can be the Medic in Pandemic, who's really good at wiping away all those disease cubes and just cleaning up the map. If you want to play a more control, mastermind sort of thing, then you can be the Dispatcher in Pandemic, sort of moving everybody around and stuff. Um, does that have a particular play style that you would like to, you, know, that you typically like to gravitate towards in these sorts of things or that you would like to be able to, uh, to have? Um, no, actually what I like about these games is that I, I can explore so many different aspects of it. So mm. in one game I'll play the medic and the next game I'll try the scientist in Pandemic or Korn, one uh, game of Chaos in the Old World and then Nurgle the next. Uh, there's it, it just, it, for me, it, make, it takes a game and it gives me so many other layers that I can peel back and, and explore while I'm playing it. How about you, Stella? Have you got a particular role or a style of play that you, uh, that you would like to see or that you enjoy in these sorts of things? I haven't played a lot of games where you get to be like an individual character except for Pandemic, which I've played a bunch and I really like it. Did you like the variable Pillar Paris thing in Pandemic a lot? Yeah, I really like the idea that at, for one, every game you play can be potentially different because every person who plays 
playing a different character automatically makes it a different game every time. Mm. And there's so many combinations of that. Even if you play Pandemic, let's say, with the four, same four people ten times, if those four people play a different character each time, every time it's going to be sort of a different twist on the game, which I think makes it really interesting. And I also like the idea of, of taking on a character, of doing something different. You're not just a pawn in a game. You're a specific character. You're doing something unique. Um, I like that idea even though I don't know a lot of games with it, I think that that's something that definitely attracts me is to be able to be an individual person, an individual character in a game, as opposed to like, I'm doing the same thing that Just everybody else can do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. seems like imagination is really important to both of you in your enjoyment of games mm -hmm. and sort of getting into it. Now, sometimes the variable powers that the players get in these games are fairly small. And sometimes they're much bigger and more dramatic. Like in something like Pandemic, for example, uh, you play pretty much the same way as the other players, but there's this one thing you can do that's better than the others. And um, you know, come to think of it, most co-op games actually have this in them. I mean, uh, there's Ghost Stories, there's the Lord of the Rings game, there's Robinson Crusoe, Touch of Evil, Arkham, Arkham Horror, Forbidden Island. That fire one? Right, uh, Flashpoint, the, uh, the one with the firefighters. Yeah. Are there any co-op games that don't have variable player powers? Hanabi. Hanabi's one. Um, Space Alert and Escape, the real-time ones. Yeah. And... Wow, why do so many co-op games have variable player powers? What? Is it to make it so that you all can sort of do your own thing, and even though you're working together, it doesn't feel like you're all playing the same game? Well, I think also if, if you have specialists, specialists need to work together. So it, right. it enhances the co-op nature I'm of the good game. at this, you're good at that, let's work together and get this thing done. Um, the other thing, I guess, is that uh, if there's an alpha player at the table, the one who's bossing everybody around and telling them, well, if you we, we want to win, we have to do this, um, then if, if I have my own particular power, I can still feel a bit of ownership, a bit more ownership, even if I've got somebody who probably knows better what I should do. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, then again, in games like Cosmic Encounter or Chaos in the Old World, it's a big thing. Um, and, and Cosmic Encounter, we talked about this game uh, before we, in our game Spotlight. Um, the entire game, practically, is the alien powers that you get. Each player gets, gets their own alien race with an alien power that completely changes the rules of the game for them. And there's like 50 of them in the box. So it's going to be different every time you play. And hugely so. The game's going to feel different. Uh, this game's going to be heavy on negotiation or it's going to be heavy on attacking or something like this. Um, do you, what do you think, uh, guys? Do you, do you, would you rather your variable player power be something that's really big and dramatic that totally makes it so that you're hardly even playing the same game as the other players? Or would you rather it be something more subtle where it's like, uh, I'm, I'm playing the same thing, but I'm a bit better at this or that or the other thing? I like the... Bigger variety. Um, Says the chaos in the old world. Yeah. Man, yeah. and in that game, you get your own armies, you get your own little deck of spell cards, you get your yeah. own victory condition. It's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just like, I like, like I said before, I like games that are going to offer me a lot of stuff. So I'm going to want to keep coming back to it to try different aspects of it. So the idea of, you know, having 50 different races in, chaos, in Cosmic Encounter really entices me to play that game. How about you, Stella? I guess it depends. Like, I, I've never played Cosmic Encounters, so I don't know how complex it is to learn what you're doing with these 50 different races. Mm. Sometimes I don't want to sit down to a game and have to learn it for 40 minutes before I play and figure out, okay, so I'm this alien race. What can I do? What do I need to do now? Mm. What's the That game? could definitely be a factor in Chaos yeah. in the Old World. Cosmic, mm. I think, uh, you might find is a bit more accessible, though. Okay. Because uh, the, the rules are actually really simple. It's just the alien powers that complicate things. 
And most of the interest in the game actually comes from that. Yeah, like I feel like you can, you, if you know Pandemic, mm-hmm. you can sit down and play any of the characters without sure. relearning the game. So, but I have concern over like having to re- basically relearn a game based on your, your power or your character. Because to me, that would be slightly frustrating. That I, can definitely be an issue in Chaos. Yeah. It's true. I mean, playing... But as, at the same time, though, in, in a game like Chaos or, or Arkham Horror or Eldritch Horror, you're still doing the same general thing. It's just your approach mm. is different. So if I'm playing Corn in, in Chaos, I'm going to kill a lot of guys. Whereas if I'm playing Nurgle, I want to get a lot of my guys on the ground to put down plague markers. Um, I'm still going towards the same type of victory, but it's, it's just slightly different. There was, um, you guys have played King of Tokyo, right? Yeah. Huge popular favorite at Snakes and Lattes, a game with giant monsters smashing Tokyo and each other, and each player gets their own awesome little cardboard stand-up monster, whether it's a King <laughs> Kong type of thing or a Godzilla type of thing. And uh, people look at those, and I think they often expect them to have variable powers. Do you guys sort of get that impression when you saw King of Tokyo? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's actually one of the reasons why I wasn't dying to pick it up for my collection right away. It's like, oh, well, they're all the same. Okay. Was that a factor for you at all? Or? Absolutely. The first time I played that game... Um, we opened it up, and I was like, ooh, I want to be the weirdo bunny. What does this one do? <laughs> it's the bunny piloting the giant robot. Yeah, and uh, nothing really. Oh, okay. Sometimes that's disappointing, like mm-hmm. because I do like individual powers and an individual character as a game player. And so the- if I pick something up that looks that unique, I want the bunny to be able to drop massive Easter eggs or something, <laughs> I don't know, on the town or whatever. Those pieces had so much color and character to yeah. them. You yeah. really expected them to play differently. And uh, actually, interesting story. The uh, the expansion set, the first expansion set for King of Tokyo called Power Up, introduced variable player powers, but it was a nightmare for Richard Garfield to create that. And here's why. One of the strengths of King of Tokyo is the different ways that you can try to win. You can try to go for lots of points, you can try to do lots of damage, you can try to buy lots of cards. Mm-hmm. And if you find the one that's not really working for you, you can sort of switch mid-game to try for a different one. And that, that flexibility, the fact that you can sort of go for a different approach depending on how it's looking out on the board, is as a, as a big part of that game's success and appeal. And one of the things about variable player powers is you tend to be good at certain things. And if you give, you know, the king or Gigazor a particular ability, that can take away that strength because it locks you in to this is how your guy wins now. Mm-hmm. This is how it works. This is how Cyber Bunny wins. You have to lay those Easter eggs or else uh, you don't have a chance. So what's, uh, what, what ultimately they did was to give each player a deck of their own little cards called evolution cards. And you start with none of these and it offers you a fourth path to victory. And that is going big on these cards. If you roll three hearts, you get to take one of these things out and you get something that's particular to your character. So Cyber Bunny gets these crazy tech abilities and Gigazor gets these tail sweeps that do lots of damage and the king gets things that are good for being the king of Tokyo, being in the middle of the board. <laughs> and uh, it, it, was, it was a real bear to find a way to make that work, though. And it's interesting that just how much variable player powers can actually change the game. It's how they can sometimes take away instead of adding more to how it goes. Well, let's talk about some potential pitfalls that there could be to having variable player powers beyond you know, this, this sort of constraints that we're talking about. Can you imagine being irritated if somebody else has an easier time than you at something, or if there's some headache you have to deal with in the game that, that, uh, that, that you have to contend with constantly and somebody else can just ignore and bypass? Is, is, is that ever something that would get to you? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. If the game is built with powers that are not quite balanced, 
Ah, uh, yes. We're not balanced. Cosmic no. Encounter says hi, Todd. <laughs> One thing you didn't mention, Stellis, in Cosmic Encounter, the various different alien races are notoriously unbalanced. Some of them are way more powerful than others, and this is deliberate. If somebody shows up playing a more powerful alien, you're supposed to gang up on them. Right. Ah. That's how the balance works. Touche the earlier subject. Uh-huh. <laughs> So kingmaking and spoiling becomes an issue there uh, when 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 powers are unbalanced. But uh, but again, if if can you imagine being in a situation in this sort of game where it's like you know what I, I hate that I can't do the thing that you can do. Um, I, I can imagine people being annoyed with it. I can't imagine myself being annoyed with it because <laughs> I would take that as a uh, that I need to try and make some strategic alliances or some strategic decisions to take this person down to find a way to go around the power that they have. So for me, that makes the game more interesting. <laughs> Would it get old for you? Um, it's not so much getting old. For me, it's uh, like I think that's the game. Play, play the game. For me, the thing that happens the most when I play these games with individual powers is me or somebody else forgets their individual power. Ah, yes. And they don't use it. And then their turn passes and then they forgot to do something, and you're like, ah, oh, I forgot that I could walk through walls or whatever it may be, <laughs> and you miss that thing that you could have done. That happens to me all the time. That's another case for the big dramatic powers and abilities, because you're probably less likely to forget something if it's a huge yeah. game-breaking thing than you are if it's just a minor extra bit that you get to do on your turn that the other players don't but get to do. But that extra yeah. bit could have won you a thing or got you so much forward and I tend to do that all the time. You're playing along and especially if it's a new game, you're like, okay, I get to do these three things. I'm gonna move this, I'm gonna pick this card. And then you're like, okay, I'm done. Next person goes and you're like, oh, I forgot that I could whatever. And that happens all the time. Or you're waiting and you're watching for somebody else to do that. You're like, oh, you could do this thing. I hope you forget, I hope you forget. And then they forget to do their thing and you're like, yes. You it's forgot. it's even worse in a co-op game too, because you feel yeah. like you let the team down. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But then if it's a co-op game, hopefully one of the people at the table remember to remind that person. It's true. You got more eyes that. on it. Yeah. The uh, the original game guru at Snakes and Lattes, Sarah Vanderwall, who has since moved on to greener pastures. We still miss her. Um, she had I remember she had a really strong dislike of variable player powers, but it wasn't because stuff was unbalanced or unfair. It's because she felt like she wasn't getting the whole game. It's like, um, I've got some friends who don't like to play uh, computer games by Bethesda Software, stuff like Fallout or um, the, the, the Elder Scrolls, like Skyrim type of games, because they're these massive sprawling worlds that you can sort of explore. And there's a plot out there that you can follow if you want, but the world's just so big and there's so much stuff out there, you're probably not going to experience all of it. And they feel like they're not getting the entire game. They're not experiencing all the content. And I think for Sarah, that was an issue as well. And I always had difficulty sort of grasping that. Well, it's just more stuff. How how can yeah. more stuff be bad? Is that does that make any sense to you guys? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can understand. What, what what sort of game did she like? Was she? Oh, she's, she's a big fan of Euros. Definitely oh, Euros, okay. and uh, oh. the the more challenging, the better. So. I don't know. I think like like you said. I think the more the better. Like, I, I get bored if I've played this game three times, and it's the same game every time. I'm kind of over it. If every time you play, there's maybe a bit of a twist on it. Oh, this time I played, it took 20 minutes. The next time I played, it took 45. The next time I played, it took an hour. If I played this person, I could do all these different things. To me, that's better. I'd rather own and play a game that is slightly different every time. That's going to keep surprising you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every time you bust it out. Well, we'd like to hear what you have to say about variable player powers out there. Uh, you can uh, reach us on the boardgamegeek.com message boards, as well as uh, your favorite social media. And uh, until then, 
Thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Todd and Stella. Game on. Bye. Night. Thanks for listening. You can find more from the Game Gurus by subscribing to the Snakes and Lattes YouTube channel or by visiting our blog. Just go to snakesandlattes.com and click where it says blog up near the top of the page. Until next week, I'm P.T. Douglas. Game on.